0: so hey everybody welcome to episode 306 of the morning just so close so hey everybody welcome to 300 no that's not right so hey everybody, welcome to episode three hundred and six of the More than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Hyman Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California.
1: So do we have any Alrighty. analytics on how many times you've actually gotten that right on the first try? <laughs> I
0: you know, if I had to say, I would probably say about thirty percent of the time. If that. I don't think it's high, that yeah, right? I
1: don't think it's that high, Tim. <laughs> no, no.
0: First no, it's usually, maybe I'll, maybe I'll leave it burner. in the show for this time, so people can hear what I what I go through, right? Yeah, I bet people just think it just rolls off my tongue, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> it sure. does once I get going. Once I, once I get past that hump, past the more than just code hump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, kind of like the more than just code uh, hump, right? Yeah. Slightly different. Slightly different. All right. Um, yeah. So a uh, little bit of fact check. Of course, we're going to fact check on, on the term getting Sherlock. So we were talking about Sherlock and Spotlight for the last couple of weeks. And, and I thought, you know, um, let's look at the origin of getting Sherlock because Jaime mentioned last week it was related to a product. Called Watson And what I found Was actually surprising That the term Getting Sherlocked Was actually used In the 1890s To refer being Intellectually bested and uh, the example he gave was uh, of a globe story of two gentlemen uh, having an intellectual discussion. Mr. Brown reported that he got Sherlocked by Mr. Lockhorn in an alley behind the building when he was Sherlocked repeatedly after sharing a quiet supper at a dinner club. And the author of this, um, this post is actually from, it's from Proconetics. And he said uh, uh, another explanation would be uh, that it, getting the origin of getting Sherlocked is, uh, interestingly enough, is that his predecessor to Spot, as we mentioned before on the show it came out in OS 8.5 I think I said 8.0 last week and uh, it was called Sherlock and at the time it instantly obsoleted an app called Watson made by Corellia Software isn't Corellia Software to people who make um, Dash? I think it is, right? Uh, and i got a link in the show notes here for the X post about, and they, they, that's where I got these two pieces of information about this thing but I'm going to jump ahead as, an, as we normally don't do but I'm going to do this time to the Ask MTJC just for one second because I was actually having conversation with James Thompson fan of the show because um, I mentioned that we were that I when I found this piece I I posted that is you know, to look forward to this coming out. And uh, so I posted these two things and James said, uh, technically, Sherlock 3 was introduced with Mac OS 10.2 in which the term was coined and Watson was introduced as a companion app to a previous versions of Sherlock, hence the name. And uh, yeah, then I basically said spoilers because we're going to talk about all this show, which we're doing now. So yeah, just thanks to James for chipping in there. All right. And um, the next piece that kind of jumps around a bit too is uh, the 3 transitions which we kind of tried to figure out last week. So I went back and watched the keynote uh, just to find this part of the show, and it was at 1 hour, 26 minutes, and 10 seconds of the 2020 keynote. Tim Cook mentioned three transitions, the move to PowerPC, the move to Mac OS X, and the move to Intel, As the three transitions that Apple went through. And a um, friend of the show, Alan Edmonds, also replied to me on Twitter after I guess listening to the show that on um, our episode of The Missing Manual that uh, the transition, yeah, he mentioned, that that wasn't just it wasn't just hardware it was actually software but technically though i mean the transition worked because apple's amazing software right like the fact that they were able to bridge us from 68k Macs to power pcs and then again from classic Macs to um OS X, 10 and then uh power pc to intel with rosetta the original rosetta right and i think didn't didn't they say rosetta 2 is going to help us with um the transition to apple silicon you guys remember that i think
1: so though, yeah but i think you may be remembering that with a a little bit of uh, rose colored glasses there tim because oh, really? as yeah. i recall in terms as of recall,
0: smooth or as,
1: yeah. as, in, in terms of the smoothness yeah as i recall the transition of power pc was pretty ugly at the time
0: yeah oh it was really that slow was, like it the, was, the was, crashing, was
1: and and just the, it was just bad at the
0: time yeah yeah people were screaming because I, me- I remember i had i had orders for quadra 650s which were the the same shape as the 7100 mm-hmm. that came out you think you had a 7100 mm-hmm. back then i had there, a
1: 7100 right?
0: Right? yes yeah so that sort of, you know, metal, metal tin metal case with the plastic front on it um, and the CD drive in the front. And um, I had customers who had ordered Quadra 650s, and Apple canceled the order on us, and they were livid. I mean, you know, because... You, like you said, the word on the street was don't get a PowerPC, right? So yeah. during that original, original, original time, but yeah.
1: now they got they got better.
0: Was it was seven point five? System seven point five was the first sort of stable uh, OS on on PowerPC. I remember that because for a long time, like one of the one of the companies I worked for, we had a whole bunch of machines running PowerPC, and we stuck with seven point five for the longest time. Even after, you know, even when eight came out, and I think even nine, we st- were stuck with seven point five because it was I reliable.
1: <laughs> Eight was was pretty solid, as I remember.
0: Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we were in publishing, so we had a lot of dependencies that so we, we were running Cork Express and things yeah. like suitcase and stuff like that to load fonts, and yeah. know, it was. Uh, and plus printers, we had to support uh, image setters and stuff, and it could have been could have been the drivers were the issue, right? So yeah.
1: Now, by the time yeah, you know, by the time the G three came out, RPC was pretty solid. It was good. It was really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think
1: yeah. that was probably already OS ten by the time the G three came out, wasn't it? I could be wrong.
0: Uh, no, they were still running. They were still running um uh, classic as well, but yeah you're right most of, uh, no OS ten was uh yeah because people stayed on people stayed on classic for a while too even even after OS ten came out because I remember I was using OS 10 at work because i had I had um I had a G3 Wall Street when, when it first came out, and I loaded up um, loaded it up, and then uh, and I was running it at work, but everybody else is still on, on, you know, Classic, either OS 8 or 7.5 or whatever, right? So, yeah. and that, Well, that was also another... Speaking, yeah, you're right, in terms of smoothness and stuff like that, because I don't know if you remember, but a lot of publishers left... Mac like Adobe and Quark and whatever they went over to Windows. They started writing Windows apps, right? And so there was a big uh, question as to whether people would switch to their entire business over to, to a Windows PC. It was, that was a nightmare too, though. But in my opinion, but um, yeah. And then I think when OS 10 came out, Adobe was took a long time for Adobe to come back, and that's what got. Uh, and yeah, I think Quark kind of lost their their marbles too because yeah, because Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator that took a long time to come to OS 10. The first uh, um, app that was usable in the OS 10 was the office suite, right? I don't know if you remember that or. Mind, you were developing at the time, right?
1: No, I was yeah. in grad school at the time. Oh, are you? So okay, was, yeah. I wasn't yeah. developing. I mean, I was writing software for my you know research work, but I wasn't. It wasn't sure. Uh, you know, it wasn't for anyone else to use. Yeah,
0: no, it was. It was a pretty dark time there in some, a lot of different ways, especially you know with, with people like going. Oh, I'm going over to Windows. I'm like, okay, bye bye. I was doing a lot of Mac support back then too. So being yeah, in I remember three-year. going to one of those
1: um, one of those computer shows that this. That, you know what I'm talking about, Tim, and and uh, yeah? but maybe some of the younger people don't know where they they're just be like they converted a gym or something somewhere a big room yeah. and just yeah. a bunch of people just set up booths and sell their stuff yeah. you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i remember going to one one year and just seeing there was just nothing for the mac nothing for the mac
0: yeah yeah
1: and exactly. asking exactly. asking people you know is is there going to be a mac version and just getting laughed at by these vendors <laughs> yeah well oh, the mac is true. dead. You, the mac is dead
0: yeah you would you would look i mean you would have to look long and hard for um and that's that was back in the. I don't remember the multimedia days when when CD-ROM authoring was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think QuickTime was just starting to get it splitting. and um, but yeah, it was like we'd go through these trade shows that we call trade shows back then, and um, yeah, you'd you'd be hard pressed to find a Mac. Like you know, you'd see all these Windows solutions, and yeah, all, all the hardware vendors I dealt with all all had uh, Windows solutions, and yeah, it was a dark, dark time. <laughs> You know and i think apple stock was like maybe 10 bucks at the time you know if, if only we had were smart oh, enough to buy apple stock. yeah
1: yeah i remember it was i remember it being six bucks and i remember having an argument with a friend of mine at the time whether which was a better yeah. buy apple or dell and he was sure it was really? Dell, and i was sure it was apple and, and i didn't put my money where my mouth was back when it was six dollars a share this is you know this was before the seven oh one split so it would be now what is it what is apple stock now it's getting close to 300 bucks now and that's after. So that so the 1, so it would have been worth 2100 bucks and I would have yeah. I, I could have bought it at 6 bucks. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I well. do I have a good friend who bought a bunch of stock and and um there have been many times when she's been able to bail out her her life by by selling off some shares right because she bought them back when it was really really inexpensive, right? So huh. that was her windfall. All right, so getting on back to the WWC show. Like I mentioned last week that there were 10 roughly 10 uh, Apple design awards that were actually only 8 given out, which is actually Kind of low for her uh, Apple Design Awards. and uh, speaking of the Apple Design Awards and speaking of Shaper 3D, which I went on, um, you know, I've st- I'm still not <laughs> thrilled about this. But uh, I did figure out how to delete uh, designs for those of you worried about my idiocy. Um, there is an edit mode, of course. There's an edit mode, right? Like, you know, like it's like a collection view or a table view kind of deal. Like it's a collection view. And you click on edit mode and then you can, sure enough, you can delete the designs. And I mentioned last week that it seemed to be as, it seemed to be, it reminded me or looked a lot like uh, Fusion, Fusion 360 and um, I had to design a part of my house last week, so I figured, well, I'll try and learn three, Fusion 360 since I already knew a little bit about CAD and stuff like that. And uh, this, this app is nowhere near as deep as uh, Fusion 360. And, uh, yeah, Fusion 360 is pretty... Uh, it's, not a, not a, it's a pretty steep learning curve, you know, as if you, even if you do know a lot of CAD, right? So, and it's probably because the controls are not not intuitive. But, I mean, that's the, the beauty of Shaper 3D is that everything seems to be pretty intuitive. But, anyway, that's the deal with that. That's the, the fact check. And so we have one more AskMTGC, so I'll throw over to Jaime for
2: that. It was related. And I guess there were many, many people shaking their fists at their, uh, at their radios. Oh, yeah. This week, as a friend of the show, Sean Marston, which, spoilers, even, you know, our, our, our super pal, uh, Greg Heo, was also about to tweet the same thing. So in the fact check category, it says transition 1, 68K to PowerPC, transition 2, the classic to Mac OS 9, next OS 10 and transition 3 powerPC to Intel and Greg says he was about to tweet this I guess it's strange that both software and hardware transitions are counted together that's probably why we always forget about the OS 10 one and Sean responds to that reply thing if it were another hardware transition then 32-bit to 64-bit which that's actually a pretty good one to think about too uh, that is tenuous from a dev perspective they each change the executable significantly that's the key zeros and ones right right yeah there's I did add there's a lot there right like like uh, that switch from 32 to 64-bit uh happened super fast was it less than a 5 year period for iOS and macOS that might be a uh, need to fact which check one? but it it feels like it, yeah like it definitely less than 5 years yeah right it was like yeah. you know 2 years ish for iOS and about the same for macOS and I'm mentally thinking they didn't really start at the same time but I think they overlapped a bit maybe mm. I don't know
1: so I'm thinking it was iOS 11 that required 64 bit am I getting that right and iOS 10 mm. was the one that could
0: be both yeah so I think so. Sounds, Sounds like a good guess. That, that feels about yeah, right.
1: Yeah, and so iOS yeah, nine there was supposed to
2: be a big call. Yeah,
1: was iOS nine both or was it only thirty two bit? That I don't remember.
2: I thought it was ten was the last one where you could have 32 32- bit. Yeah, yeah. So I guess nine, if you're if you're saying nine was the the only one, was that the the last one, yeah, that, was the, the last 32-bit. one that was only last was
1: only thirty two bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. what that's I gotcha.
0: what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you mean like a, was, could it support sixty four bit programs? It couldn't. You don't think?
1: Well, I don't remember, but the the iPhone 5 was the one that got cut off when things went 64-bit only, right? So oh, right. So okay. would right. support 64-bit. So the 5S would, was, must have been the first 64-bit phone.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, that's a few years later until iOS 11, then, isn't it? Because we had the 5S, we mm-hmm. had the we had the 6 year, we had the 6S year, we had the 7 year, we had the
0: 7S year. We have this technology called Google you yeah. can use to look it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, you know, just it, look, for, look for iPhone 5.
2: It's pretty quick transitions. And I think you really can only do that sort of transition that quickly when you control the entire stack the way that Apple does. Uh, I think I'd mentioned last show that.
0: That's 2012, by the way. Yep.
2: 2012? Okay. Right. So, yeah. 2012. Okay. So, you know, Windows, it's tried getting rid of, of 32-bit for a long time. It's still in the transition. 16-bit stayed around for a long time into the 32-bit era. Mm. That's rough. And and you, even though you do see ARM um, in the Windows world, it is definitely not going 100% ARM anytime soon. Um, and, and if anything, if mm. it goes faster, uh, it's probably spurred by um, people investing to, to do what, what Apple's doing, or mm, maybe people getting convinced with large sums of money to leave Apple <laughs> to start doing <laughs> (laughs) arm for uh uh, qualcomm or something to start you know or maybe for intel or something to start building chips to have competitiveness in the windows world
1: yeah i I think it'd be really hard to do because there's so many you know this this is this goes back to the old you know clones versus no clones decision but there's so many different hardware vendors that are making hardware for windows that that they pretty much all have to switch or if they didn't all switch which which wouldn't happen uh, then windows would have to support both versions for an indefinite amount of time. You know, Apple's only going to support both versions for a set amount of time, and then it's going to stop, right? And it's going to decide when it gets to stop. But but Microsoft kind of can't can't do that because they have so many vendors that that might not switch over. So it's it's definitely a harder problem mm-hmm. for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think somebody mentioned last week that it takes a long time for Microsoft to switch over to or the Windows world to switch over to things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was was it what was it? There was another remember O2 from IBM? The that one kind of didn't. That fizzled out. OS
1: two warp. Was it Yeah, 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 yeah. that kind of died before it even started.
0: Well, I, I do remember getting some some equipment back in the hardware days that that ran that specific uh, OS because mm-hmm. I, I we did have one opportunity to sort of play with it. But yeah, it was pretty brutal. By the way, so um, Dave Mark, you know who Dave Mark is right. He uh, he posted on Twitter today that uh, he found this page on Apple's website that is published today, like still today. Uh, in other words, it's still on the on the thing and it says the headline says transition accomplished and it's basically a, p- a page posting boasting about the uh, switch over to uh, Intel Duo and Intel Xeon chips so Intel in Max and it's a page still on the uh, Apple site still kind of cool talks about Rosetta and
2: all kinds of other things too
0: and it looks pretty it looks like a pretty old uh, old Apple page got yeah, that old the style
2: with the, the new style header on top so yeah. I guess the yeah. header that changes page global. is still there yeah. yeah I bet you this
1: oh, I bet you this page won't last more than a few more days <laughs> now that word is getting out wait what that one's well, still we'll there it. oh go delete yeah
2: yeah yeah we've I've, linked it and we'll see how long it stays i've it amusing just because of you know the era that we don't really talk about this this way anymore the dual roar the intel core 2 duo is actually two processors cores yeah. engineered onto a single two, chip two and yeah. one yeah it was like a or big big duo. deal that now really like,
1: deal back at the time
2: like yeah. how many cores oh this one has eight cores you know uh six of which are the superpower and then two low power ones that it can run on when it's you know, just doing browsing or something and not needing the yes, full beast. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right.
0: Okay, let's move on. Let's go into our follow-up. And so, I mean, the Apple card is back again. I've, I've heard of this fabled Apple card. What could that possibly
2: be? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, as far as I know, this is still U.S. only, but for folks who are in the U.S. And America. Have, have Apple cards, uh, long time. Uh, folks have known like, Hey, it's kind of weird that you can really only see and do things from the device itself. Like, you know, I kind of like to do my bills, uh, from the, you know, the, the nice warm confines of my, uh, macOS desktop. Um, but now you can. There is an online web portal, uh, card, card.apple.com. Yes. Uh, card.apple.com that you can go to. And it's pretty nifty. Like if you have a device that supports signing in with touch ID or face ID, you just sort of magically sign into the site. Um, didn't even have to fire up one password or anything, which is sort of what I expected I would have had to do. And you can see a, a rather sort of, you know, bare bones, basic, pleasant looking uh, user interface. Uh, it is missing a few things. Like, uh, yes, you can see statements. Uh, I think PDF statements, if I'm not mistaken, but you weirdly don't get the OFX, the Open Financial Exchange exports or the CSV exports that you can do from the device, which people might throw into something uh, like Mint or you need a budget, uh, Quicken, etc. So that's kind of a bummer, but hopefully they add more features to, to have parity with that in the future. Cool.
0: And this just in, we can talk about the uh, on the same site that you just posted this Apple Silicon Max to support Thunderbolt despite shift to ARM. The so Thunderbolt is an Intel technology, right? And uh, so that's kind of cool that they're still going to be, a, I, I mean, a lot. we've got a lot invested in these USB devices and monitors and what have you, right? So it's good to see that they're going to continue to support the interface.
1: Well, it's still the highest speed interface, right? And if you're doing a lot of graphics work and things like that, then you still want that.
0: Sure. All right. And then, uh, so we got another post here from uh, Paul Wilkinson Lincoln- on our, our Slack channel. Hey, come on over and join us on the Slack channel. Um, he's posted here that um, we were talking about um, Huawei and uh, Canada's position on it and US's position on it last week, I think it was, right? And uh, this is also coming from a uh, um, paper, I think, uh, yeah, Sydney Morning Herald, which is a paper, obviously, in Sydney, um, that uh, how the US steamrolled Chinese tech giant out of the five eyes. I'm not sure what the Five eyes are. Do you guys have any idea, any idea what that is?
1: The wish, say it again.
0: The five eyes, eyes, lies in your, you have two pairs of eyes. Yeah, it says here uh, that Ai y- y- Wei lost network. a lot. Oh, okay. Anglosphere, telecom giant has lo- has come to symbolize China's economic rise, risks of unique brand, and no longer role building Britain's 5G network or any of the five eye partners. So, five eyes, according to
2: Wikipedia, is an intelligence alliance comprising Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States.
0: Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's kind of uh, the influence of the U.S. over the other other countries is uh, big big time. All right. So you know, that's a quick quick hit. thanks, Paul, for that one. Um, but yeah, I read to do. I, I think it's a few things happening like this. But uh, the U.S. is considering banning TikTok and other Chinese apps. But I heard the other day that uh, since I posted this, that TikTok is moving away from something or other. Forget. I think they, they were be pulling out
2: of Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken. Given a lot of oh right because of the human rights there been going right? on with the, the demonstrations yeah, yeah. in Hong Kong and changes to, their, um, to uh, the laws there. Um, yeah, a lot of tech companies have tried to figure out what they're going to do. Some uh, have said that they're not going to service the um, government data requests coming I mean, um, through Hong Kong. And I think Apple, as of this recording, had not said that it was going to you know, take a look at the matter but had not yet made decisions of what it was going to do.
0: Right, right. I mean, so this story here, though, is about, uh, I think, concerns about... Um, in the similar way that that Huawei was, uh, I think Huawei they they were caught with espionage tools in in some of their hardware back in the day. But uh, the U.S. and other countries are thinking that the data stored in TikTok um, is, you know, obviously a a problem for them. So, um, yeah, it does say here uh, TikTok's pulled out of Hong Kong at the bottom of the article. But, yeah, so the U.S. is warning or thinking of banning TikTok among other Chinese-type technologies. It's kind of weird,
2: right? It's a weird one. Like, it it sort of aligns with the current administration's sort of view of the world politically. But if we sort of put that aside and say, well, let's look at this from a global trade sort of perspective. It's very much the case that many, gosh, not even uh, American apps, but like basically non-Chinese apps are quite often blocked in, in China. So you, in a fair trade sort of way, you'd have to say, well, then by what right should Chinese apps be allowed into other countries? And that's a really hard one to to argue because it, it on the face of it certainly seems to make sense. You know, Google and uh, Facebook and etc. are not allowed in, in China China, then why should apps from China be allowed in the United States, or the United Kingdom, Canada, etc.? All
0: right. And then next, I think we kind of, I kind of mentioned this one at the top of the show is a um, a, a link here from um, Nikkei about Nikkei um, reporting that the iPhone 12 will not have uh, earbuds and a charger in the box when you get your new iPhone 12 uh, when it gets announced in the fall. Um, so the Nikkei report. I think we talked about them last week, right? Um, yeah. So that.
1: so if that's true, they've just given us a pretty big hint about something. But I, air I power?
0: Think. Is air power coming? No,
1: no, not air power. But the hint, I think, is that the iPhone 12 will not have a USB-C port. and a solo have a lightning port. Oh what? Because it won't have a USB-C.
0: It will have or won't have.
1: Will not have a USB-C. Well, I guess, okay, I guess you could look at it both ways. Uh, My thinking was if they were going to change the port, they would suddenly force a lot of existing customers who were going to upgrade to buy something new, to buy a new charger because they couldn't use their existing lightning cable to charge it. Uh, They would have to go out and buy a USB-C charger. But I guess now that that I think about it, I guess you could look at it the other way and Apple could say, well, everybody's got USB-C. So now that we're using USB-C, we don't have to give you a special charger,
0: right? Oh I gotcha. That's interesting. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Okay. It could go either way. Could go either way depending on Apple. Well, because the
0: iPad, the iPads currently don't have. They have USB, uh, USB C ports. They don't have Lightning ports, right? Right.
1: Exactly. So that's why yeah, the so. the thinking was, well, will the iPhone 12 go the same way? I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, this could. Ar- you could argue both directions here.
2: I could see that, but I do think that if you were going to have a transition to USB C, you would probably include one in that first gen and say, all right. The, the folks of you who don't have any Android people in your life, in your household and who have not <laughs> upgraded to the latest and greatest iPad Pros that have USB-C. All right, here you go. we throw on your a bone. It's the last one you get. You know, the next model is not going to have it. Well, so that was I think, my
1: first thinking too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. so I, that's why I, I do think that it would stick with Lightning. Is like, look, dude, you, if you had a, a Apple something since whenever they changed away from the 30-pin connector, uh, you've, you've got a whole bunch of them laying around your house and in fact, you probably still have them in the boxes, <laughs> un, un, <laughs> unwrapped because you, you didn't need it because yeah. you already had one in a very you, you had a charger in a very convenient location or locations in your household.
1: Unless they shock us all and put both in,
2: Ooh, like with a with an adapter sort of thing. I no, no, just side by side, adapters. right? Just side, side by, like by a, side,
1: a USB C port and a and a lightning port on the same phone. I don't think that'll happen, <laughs> but it would shock us all.
0: But they could they could give you a USB A to a USB C. Cable, right? Like with the, with the current kind of adapter they have now. I mean, those little those little adapters are kind of dumb, right? The little tiny, like you said, we, nobody uses them. They just plug into a Mac or whatever, right? They could have, maybe they did a study and they, they figured it out. People don't need the little little wall adapters much anymore,
2: right? It'd be interesting an, decision. It, it it seems like um, there might be something related to um, some sort of European uh, legislation in the, the EU. EU's something related to standardizing on chargers, which Apple. Sort just sticks out is the one not having the standard and I, and I think they'd gotten around it by offering something I can't remember what it was it's like they gave you um the cable but not the the part that goes into the wall or something or, or maybe vice versa and I think folks saying all right well if the EU is to really crack down on that how do you you deal with that and what this article uh, isn't necessarily talking about is well practically what happens right you just spent like a thousand dollars for you know close to top of the line new iPhone and this is your first one you're, you're not gonna to get a charger, it probably gonna have it not in the box, but it's like, oh cool, we've got this little bundle. Do you need a charger? Great. Here it is. Here's a box that's just the charger, like the same kind you would buy at the store if you needed an extra one. Here you go. Free of charge, go have it. And and presumably that would not fall afoul of this vague yeah. memory I have of this European Union legislation, right? It's like, well it didn't include it in the in the box, so we're not running foul. This person asked for this charger. We gave them this charger.
1: The the one problem with that logic is it it uh, it has Apple saying here Free of charge, which is pretty unlikely. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to imagine free it would be only at the time of yeah.
2: purchase. So five yeah. minutes later, if you're like, "Oh no, I didn't include it in in my gift bag," if not my gift bag, my uh, my shopping cart, like you're out of luck. Well, it'll be on the shopping channel, when
0: you go to buy the iPhone, it'll come. They'll, they'll throw in a third party charger with it, right? So along with all the, I mean, that that'll be the differentiator between you know whose whose phone you buy, whether whether Best Buy will give you a free charger with your phone or not, right? Uh, I'm sure that's a, that's. That's not Apple's intention, obviously, but the other thing about this phone that's being reported, of course, is that OLED display, and we've talked about that before, and I think, yeah, this is the one, too, that that uh, they're also reporting on four different phones, four different sizes, right? Um, iPhone 12 with 5.4-inch and, and then two 6.1-inch mo- models and the larger 6.7-inch model. I don't know how that compares to what we have now. I'm um, going to have to go over to that uh, page from Paint Code and check it out, but, yeah, that's cool, too. And, of course, no, as we were mentioning before, no ear earbuds in the uh, in the box as well they're called earbuds by the way we finally figured that out um, yeah so that's interesting so does that mean that if you want to listen to music and things like that you need to run out and buy a pair
2: of earbuds well or something i, I think along the same lines of how many more do you possibly oh right need if there's no port in the box right. um, yeah i, I assume they, they'd have the same you know <laughs> bundle offer of all right well if you if you absolutely want another pair of, of earpods the lightning connecter Connected ones. Um sure. Yeah. Otherwise, like, well, clearly you probably have like a whole desk drawer full of them, so just use one of those that you have, or get them out of the old boxes. Yeah. Uh, or maybe go in and buy AirPods.
0: Um Lens I had credence to Mark's idea of no port whatsoever, right? Like if you if you don't if you there's nowhere to plug in your headphones, you're expected to use Bluetooth or something like that, then, then why do you need a USB port at all, right? Or a lightning port or whatever, whatever. What do you think, Mark? Well, you need some kind of port could, to charge it. No, right. I suppose I suppose, yeah,
1: because they haven't come out with air power, <laughs> so they so you <laughs> need some way to charge the thing.
0: <laughs> That's true. Maybe they'll throw in a Belkin charger with it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, wait, it's wait, a oh, weird so wait, What
1: were you saying? That they you you think well, there's, no, mean- there's,
0: if there's no if there's no earbuds in the box, right? There's no way. Right. To, there's no need to plug something in to listen to music, right? Right. assuming you want to go off and buy the three hundred dollars AirPods, right? Sure. AirPods two or AirPods Pro. What do they call them? I forget. Um, but the, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't have the earbud earbuds, then um, you don't need a USB port or Lightning port to plug them in. Or there's no headphone jack, right? So maybe the future is portless. Maybe maybe we're just going to use uh, induction charging from now on, right? Yeah. Well, they have to. If, that's a if, if they're going to do that,
1: they, they have to uh, actually sell a charger if they're going to do that. It, they can't. Well, just... the other thing
0: too is how do you how do you plug Xcode into it the first time? Right? You still have to you have to have some way to because we well, do over the air development. That they can right? fix. But, they can fix that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. You type All in right. code or something, you know, it's, it's yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's true. That's it's
2: true. Yeah, that fixed. All right. Cool. Okay. I think it'd be a QR code probably. You know, yeah. sort of, <laughs> X code displays this little QR code and then you just scan it. Or, for your yeah. Code.
1: Or not, not actually a QR code, but something like when you have to pair a watch, you get that, that funky moving thing. Oh
0: yeah. The yeah. cloud thing. Yeah. 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 That, that is pretty sophisticated. That thing yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um. This last one here too. And it's, We're still talking about COVID, COVID COVID-19. This is Ireland. It has now come out with a COVID-19 app. Um... I assume it's the same as the technology as um, Apple and Google. Um, yeah, so if you're in Ireland, or you may already know about this, but yeah, they've come up with their their app. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know, Canada was supposed to be available by now. Canada's COVID uh, COVID app, but uh haven't heard anything about it yet as we record on the 8th of July. But yeah, this is kind of cool and Ireland is now doing the co- their their part to manage contact tracing using this technology. So that's cool. Let's
2: wait and see what happens with that.
0: All right, let's move on to uh, some stuff about WWDC 2020.
2: Yeah, um, Francesco Arisaldi, iOS developer out of Italy, has uh, collected 10 code snippets from WWDC that he thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. I looked at mm-hmm. some of said, Oh, yeah. I think some of the examples don't do a great job of explaining what's going on, but some of them do pretty well. Like number one here is this SK overlay to uh, recommend other apps. It looks pretty, pretty straightforward. You get access to the Windows scene, get an app configuration which the one sort of magic thing in there is the your app ID, um, which is stringified. It's not too bad, but it doesn't change that often, but it's kind of a bummer that there isn't like a, a magic way to get that. And uh, you just display the overlay and it shows a little screenshot here that it's pretty pleasant to look at. And I think you might have shown this in the keynote of the Platform State of the Union, the rough equivalent for app clips, right? Like go get the app mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I guess it's generally uh, available. I, I was a little unclear from this little snippet as to whether it was only about app clips or if App Clips was just a, sort of a natural shining example. Well, it's very
0: similar to what we do on currently on mobile browsers with uh, with advertising or apps, right? Like I publish an array of app IDs and just cycle through them whenever you hit one of our either my my own personal website website business website or or uh, mtjc.fm, I um, pop over a banner, so similar idea.
2: Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next two are related to um, configure uh, uh, collection views. At least I believe they are. Mm-hmm. The uh, configurations for views. And cells, which I have not yet seen that session. So, uh, I mean, I'm seeing here that you can create, you know, configuration, you know, subtitle cell and set an image and text, and say, great. Lists configure yourself with this. I I don't know what the magic is there, and I think this is one that sort of suffers from being a a small, little bite-sized nugget without a lot of context. That I'm sure is in the session itself. Either one of you guys seen that?
0: Yeah, I think this is very similar to how we used to do custom uh, table view cells. Like the the cell, the list cell, list content cell um, has a default image and and text piece, and you can uh, you can uh, automatically call that. So this looks similar similar to how they were how we would back in the day we used to make custom a custom class to support the, the reusable cell um, in table views so we' a similar idea and and with collection view now I mean or sorry, collection view before this this last go-round you had to design your cell anyway right you had to sort of lay it out and say what was going to go into a collection view cell so that's like similar very similar kind of thing hear what you call that composable was it composable view or something like that mark in the collection view yeah
1: uh something like that it's composable or composition I think i forget yeah,
0: one of those two words yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only been a week. All right. I still haven't watched that one. video yet. Yeah, I watched it early on because uh, there was a bunch of advances in collection views that came along, and, and they kind of trickled into the rest of the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. What's uh, number four?
2: Number four I is mean. one that I think is actually a, a nice little addition for being pragmatic, right? So Apple's been you know really pushing location privacy really hard and, and encouraging app developers to you know, not even ask for location even in a very coarse grained way unless you really really need it, and they've really pushed more towards letting you users have the control of, you know, when do I want to allow this app to have um, location, uh, location-based access? But, you know, even when you might say, all right, well, this app generally, you know, is designed in such a way that you don't need the uh, user's location, even in a very coarse-grained way. Sometimes it just is a lot better to say, look, I can help you so much more efficiently if you give me access to, um, you know, absolute accuracy of your location, at least just this one time, right? In this very specific user-driven use case. There is a new request to temporary full accuracy authorization. And it has a purpose key, so very similar to normal. Like why are you app asking for this permission? I think that's great. Because I think it means that you have enabled apps to not have to ask for uh, fine-grained, you know, full accuracy of a location just to cover that one little use case. In this case, they can go without it. They don't they don't need the full accuracy. Or they can selectively ask the user for temporary access to it. Which Thanks. face Speaking of privacy, number five here, tracking authorization. This is a big one that uh, I, I saw a little bit in the news about this, but it, it didn't get that uh, that big push of like, hey, anything that uses the IDFA, the identifier for advertiser, uh, basically every ad network under the sun, uh, the big ones from Google and Facebook and et cetera, use this. Uh, you are now required to ask permission from the users to use that using their app tracking transparency framework. Pretty straightforward. It looks like other, sort of authorization things of like, you know, this class dot request this permission. And then, you know, you deal with the status and then you can check the status of like, was it denied? Was it allowed, etc. cetera. Um, but the, the the bigger change for sure is the fact that there are so many apps that use analytics packages and et cetera. Um, they probably are wanting to do um, ad attribution. So, you know, let's say like Facebook's app install ads, you know, you, you see uh, Candy Crush 2.0 on, on Facebook's app you're like, oh, cool! I want to download download that, and you tap the ad, install from the App Store, and then through the magic of how this works, oh, cool! Th- this is the same user. We can attribute that ad to that particular installation, and, and you know, uh, make monies as appropriate. And users have always had, and I say always, but like for a very long time. I think it was like iOS five or six when they removed the is uh, it UDID Universal Device Identifier that used to exist that like yeah. I specifically yeah, thank you, yes, that specifically identified your device. Yeah. That went away all, such a long time. Ago, it might as well have never existed. Right. Like IDFA has been right. the new hotness for such a long time that you, every time you release an, uh, or submit an app to the app store, you signed your life away with that like three question thing of like, you know, yes, I am using or not using what am I using it for? Uh, and that was going through app store review and users had the ability to, um, I think reset the identifier. And I think they could also choose not to even allow tracking through the identifier. If I remember correctly, now Apple's gone the, the, the last final step, or at least like major step and say, cool, now it comes up as an actual permission that the user gets to decide, like right then and there. So I just imagine that a bazillion apps are going to be impacted like this. Uh, pretty similar to the way that the, the Bluetooth uh, permission like hit every app for iOS 12 or 13, whenever that came out, right?
1: No, hopefully this won't apply to the vendor identifier. I d- it doesn't seem like it would, but that would be a real pain if it did, because that's you know the vendor identifier. When they got rid of the UDID, they introduced two new ones. There was the IDFA, which is the one that that can uh, cross vendors essentially. Uh, so more than one vendor will see you as the same vendor, the same uh, IDFA. However, you can reset it whenever you want. So you can shut off access whenever you want. The vendor identifier is is kind of the opposite. That's meant for a particular developer, like you know you as a developer. If you want to just have a a constant reference to this particular user uh, across multiple ones of your apps, if you have multiple apps, uh, then you use the the vendor uh, identifier for vendor, vendor identifier. I forget exactly how it's called in the code, but that gives you a an ID that's unique to any apps that are owned by you, and will stay unique as long as the user has at least one of your apps installed on their phone at any given time. So that's kind of a useful thing if you internally need to keep track of a user. So so it's you know like I said it's it's a uh, it's it's just unique to to you as a developer. Uh, the same phone will have a different vendor identifier for a different developer, so it can't be used to track the user across uh, across you know developers. If you sell, if you try to sell your vendor ID to someone else, then it's useless to them because they can't. That that number is meaningless. Whereas the IDFA, yeah, you know, you can share it with other people because it still is you. But you have the right to to uh, to reset it. So if they force there's forces permission to on, onto the vendor ID, that would be kind of a pain because there there are valid reasons for keeping track of who the user is for a given so you know for things like you know just internal analytics and things like that so hopefully they won't do that but it sounds like they won't doesn't sound like it's that kind
2: of thing yeah I think the the scoping of things for a vendor makes a lot of sense yeah. I think it's not an area of like oh no like, Adobe knows that I have both Photoshop and Facetune or something right like all right, alright yeah. right I mean what, what could they possibly do with that that's nefarious I mean you've clearly got a business relationship with this this company exactly um, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and they know that I you know I, I I looked at this file of, of mine you know eight times right which well, or not look at a file but they did something in their app a number of times that's countable uh, as opposed to uh, somebody else doing the same thing which would be which you, you would need a way one of the one of the reasons this is used is for unique uniqueifying actions if you want to know how many unique people have done some certain action across all your apps well you can you, you can uniqueify using the vendor ID so that you you don't count the same user more than one. Whereas if you were just sending an analytics event every single time that somebody did something and you had no way of knowing where it came from because there was no unique ID or that you, that ID could change all the time, then you'd have no way of knowing for sure that 14 people did this action, whereas 28 people did this other action. But but the vendor identifier lets you do that.
2: So what's next, Tommy? The next two are related to UI buttons and the UI menus. Uh, if you remember UI action from UI alert controller, was probably the most popular way you see it. Apple said, hey, if you like that, you might like that as a new way to add functionality to buttons. So UI buttons, instead of having a uh, you know target selector, sort of paradigm, you can decide to use the UI action with a closure option. So that's pretty nice. And and very similarly, oh. the UI button, uh, sorry, UI menu uh, has that as well. You can add items using UI actions.
1: I didn't realize they added that in iOS 14. That's great. That's good news.
2: Yeah. So these snippets, you know, they're paying dividends because this is not the sort of thing they would have necessarily trumpeted in uh, email in a session that it appears in. It's like, oh, by the way, we also did it here. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. Um, so, so one, nice.
1: one fewer place where you have to put in that annoying obj- OBJC tag in your code, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. If you're on, if in you know, a pure Swift, Swift world. world. Yeah, yep. Yep. Nice. yeah. And it, it, I guess it also means you could have, you know, UI actions that uh, could be used. I'm like, all right, Well, you know, close the thing or save the thing could be a UI action that you could just uh, populate once and say, okay, cool. Well, if they hit from the actual button, great. If they do it from this uh, confirmation alert controller cool. Um, if they do it from this menu. Great. You don't have to. You know, I, it, it's very similar, I guess, if you do the target action thing. But that also means you don't have to have that separate thing. You just instantiate and say, "Cool, here it is."
1: It's. It also makes it much easier to make reusable components. Whereas if you have, if you if you want to use the same component in multiple places, and if it has the same action, uh, then you would have to, in the old way, you'd have to copy over all those methods every single time you want to do it. But with this way, you just you define it once. You know. A sign it to a property and, or, and, and pass it around, use it wherever you want, and it's self-contained.
2: Yeah. Nice. yeah, that's true. I guess you could have relied on the responder chain, but I guess if you weren't very, very careful, you could accidentally have stuff uh, get called that wasn't really intended to be called, just because yeah. it's responder chains. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the shape of the method was like, oh, that just happens to coincide with something I could call here, even though I really don't want to. So I, th- I think this is overall a pretty good win. Uh, speaking Speaking of wins, this UI color picker view controller there's not a lot to uh, do it. It's not snazzy, but it sure works the way I'd expect it to work. Set a delegate. You can have a, a property of a selected color and you just tell it to present itself. Presumably you get a, mm-hmm. you know, did pick color or, or similar. They don't show here in the snippet, but it looks and works like the way a view controller should work. Uh, if you just said, you know, random person on the street, how do you think this would work? Oh, I think it'd work like these other view controllers. And it sure does, It is nice. <laughs> it's not this weird new pattern. It's like it's the same patterns you like and enjoy. Uh, but now with, with uh, system color picker action this one number nine we talked about a little bit i thought related yeah, to the, the week, yeah. changes to to uh, date picker that instead of being the the old school tumbler wheels which I guess you sort of had to envision in your mind's eye that those were tumbler wheels because they actually were i was like wheels. a roulette wheel
0: or like uh like one-armed bandits what do you call those things in, like, a like a slot machine that's machine. that's what they looked like yeah. pre-iOS 7 randomly pick a date
2: afterwards they you know were so minimalist i'm not sure if you just showed some but hey, what, what is this thing? They would never have associated it, I think, with a, a slot machine. Now it's completely different one. It's like, okay, you want to pick a date? Great, you have a calendar-type view, just like you would have in the calendar app. Yeah. And the very last one, rounding things out, is there is a new uh, Mac idiom that you can check for in your, your UI device current user interface idiom. So if you specifically want to do something fun for the Mac, you can, as they point out here. Not only for Catalyst apps, but uh, probably pretty handy for Catalyst apps.
0: Well, see, this might help me out, because like I was saying with Device tracking. The one thing about moving to Catalyst is that um, I need to handle photos differently on the Mac, right? Um, yeah, so this this would be something
2: I could do. Hmm, cool. That's why we do the show, Tim, to help out people, all the developers in the world. Yeah,
0: help ourselves. Did you did you skip over number seven
2: menu buttons? I, I talked very briefly about it. That it uses the same okay. UI action type of, of metaphor. Um, yeah.
0: So you kind of mentioned this a little bit in your, in your, um, privacy tracking location thing, but, uh, this is an article from nine to five Mac talking about Apple and the ad industry are clashing over these pop-ups about permissions. Um, yeah. And so obviously I think we, we kind of also, this coming that, you know, um, Apple's new approach to keeping, you know, to, to blocking people or giving people the right to say, don't track my device, um, is obviously going to annoy, uh, a lot of advertisers, people, you know, collecting analytics and that kind of stuff, um, Google, Facebooks, that kind of thing. Um, and the European folks so the European Union folks, I guess, right, with new privacy rules, GDPR and all that, right? So, yeah. Just,
1: well, uh, this kind of goes along with what I was saying on whether it's specifically to IDFA or does it apply to the vendor identifier as yeah. well. If it, if it does not apply to the vendor identifier, then then I think it's pretty reasonable.
0: Well, so that is like it says here that on the tin that, you know, advertisers like to measure the effectiveness of, effectiveness of their ads. Ads by delivering something to you that they can count and uh, Apple is now going to make uh, advertisers or persons who are collecting these kind of analytics we talked about this during the, the, the keynote talk as well that um, you're now going to be required to disclose to um, your users what kind of uh, statistics you're, or analytics you're, you're about to capture right so and I think that even with I mean Google when they when you added Google analytics to the app they, they had a, a thing where you had to give the the, um, the user an opportunity Opportunity to opt out, so you had to add something to your settings bundle to do that. But uh, I can't remember if it was if you could set it to on, or you had to ask for permission before you did it. But but now Apple's putting the foot down, and saying you know you got to basically disclose it. So that's good, right? And speaking of which, uh, Reddit apparently got uh, found out with uh, people running the beta of iOS fourteen that they have been looking at your clipboard uh, among other things. So I think I don't think they're the only app out right there that's doing that. But uh, well, yeah, Red, Reddit has now announced in this article here that they're going to stop accessing your clipboard when, um, which I guess they, they got found out, people using iOS 14. So
2: Yeah, there's a new alert when an app does that. So I had heard of TikTok first, I think, the first one mm-hmm. that got hit with this. Um, somewhere on Twitter, somebody had posted it and people said, oh, LinkedIn, uh, which I think you have that link here in the show notes as well, and yeah. Reddit, and there's probably a lot of apps that do the same sort of thing. So the generous view, um, as explained by several of these Companies as well. They're checking because they want to see if what you have is uh, a URL in the clipboard. In since on something like LinkedIn or Reddit, and and I guess on TikTok as well, you um, might be posting a "Hey, check out this thing." Um, Here's this cool place that you can go to, or here's this cool link you can look at. And they want to be helpful and suggest a title for that that post, right? So from their standpoint, it's like it's a it's a smoothness standpoint. That's the generous view. Let me be
0: devil's advocate here because yeah, like I use one password all the time. And a lot of times what I'm doing is copying my password and then, you know, going over to a site to paste it in or whatever. But, you know, that's my decision to paste it in, not their their decision to look at my clipboard, right? So it's kind of nefarious in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it certainly leads to accidental uh, data exposure. If you're, um, you know, if you're an app that is reading the, the clipboard too often, which I think the the one of like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're typing at every few keystrokes, it's reading your clipboard. It's like, yeah, that's way too often, right? Right? Like that, that doesn't feel like oh we were looking for a way to uh, to make it faster to suggest a title based on the the URL that you're you're looking to share. And like mm, that kind of feels like you were looking to do something else. Uh, it may not have necessarily yeah. been nefarious, but I don't think they had really considered the the downsides of people. You know, like you said, using password managers like one password. And like yeah, it, you might very temporarily have this data you know in the clear in your clipboard. You're intending to just put it into an app that uh, you're actually using. Using it, or uh, but in this case, if you just accidentally uh, tapped on the LinkedIn app, or accidentally tapped on the Reddit one in your uh, in your app multitasking, it's like, oops! Well, we took that password, and then hopefully they weren't uh, sending this information anywhere, and hopefully certainly not in clear. Because now I was like, oh great, we've ex- exposed user data here, very sensitive user data. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't you know for any sort of spying thing, and I'm hoping this was uh, well intentioned, but also very very uh, ignorant. Uh, so System design of like, well, what would happen if this wasn't working perfectly? Um, and hopefully they've, they've learned here. And clearly with, uh, with iOS 14 calling them out on it. And so kudos to Apple for making that more visible to users. Uh, apps are very heavily incentivized to change that pattern.
0: There's a cool link here at the bottom of this article. We'll just leave it for people to, to check out, but uh, it's a video 85 plus top feature changes in Big Sur. So we will just uh, leave that link here in the show notes and you guys can check that out. Cool. So yeah, yeah. This is my story. Um, I was reading on the developer notes um, about this thing here. Um, so I'm kind of curious, as you may know, about the uh, creating universal apps with uh, Xcode 12 for, you know, de- various devices and um so it turns out that the the current Apple Silicon, um, and this is a quote I'm reading from the show note, from the notes here. So um, you can't build, you can't you can't uh, create an iOS app in the simulator, and you can't build to an actual physical device with the current current version of Xcode on Apple Silicon, which I found kind of interesting. So I don't know if you guys have thought, been curious at all or looking into any of the stories of, that people have been posting about uh, what's going on with um, this new silicon on device that's coming out or come out? Well,
1: I haven't, no but, comment. but it sort of makes sense, right? That yeah. the whole purpose of this is to take your Mac app and develop it for the new silicon, right? Mm-hmm. So why would a high priority for them to enable, be to enable iOS development on this new silicon? That kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Part of the beauty of, of the new Swift UI standalone app modeling or whatever is you can make you can make it multi-platform app R- app sure. that will run on Mac run on iPad run on iOS or on watch run on Apple TV from the same code base that's that's one of the yeah, let's sure. code 12 but.
1: but but they never they never promised or or promoted this thing as a a fully full-fledged you know fully no it's true, it's true. and, and maybe this is I mean right?
0: the beta is just the second beta just came out yesterday yeah. so yeah, yeah it could be it could be uh, could be this is getting updated but uh, I just thought I, th- I thought it was interesting you know I'm sure there are developers out there who were scratching their heads for a few minutes trying to figure this one out. But uh, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> QR, speaking of QR codes,
2: Jaime. Yes. In the in the best example of now, how much would you pay Apple is <laughs> 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 apparently. You don't need a charger. You got your QR code. Yeah. yeah. According to the, uh, the fine people at 9to5Mac uh, who are digging into the second developer beta of iOS 14, they noticed some changes, including what I believe to be some UI elements that imply that you can. Use or it will be able to use QR code payments with Apple Pay from your iOS 14 device. And the image here shows your iPhone. Uh, displaying a QR code and a, a barcode, barcode yeah. that uh, that could be scanned presumably to go pay at like the pharmacy or you know other restaurants and other retailers that may not have had uh, you know upgraded devices for um, for NFC based payments for traditional Apple Pay payments and I'm holding out hope that if you use this method it will count as using Apple Pay and get two percent on the Apple card versus the one percent when you use the physical credit card. But that's not really, that's not really shown here, but I'm, I'm holding out hope. I do appreciate the fact that it will be that much easier to use Apple pay for darn near everything uh, for folks who, are, who aren't quite getting it. Um, we can look to, uh, what is it? Uh, we through WeChat where just about everybody uses QR codes to pay and get paid over there. Uh, this doesn't look to necessarily address, or at least I'm not seeing any hint here about addressing peer to peer payments like you would have in, in China with WePay and WeChat, uh, but if you could at least solve the person going to a retailer who doesn't have NFC-based payments, but you can still pay based on you know stuff like Starbucks happens to have uh, this type of a scanner. So I'm pretty excited to see this become a reality. Um, I'm kind of hoping that we'll end up with something that uh, is you know developer accessible, like you could call up uh, an Apple Pay sheet, or, or maybe this just comes for free. I'm, I'm kind of unclear how how that ends up working. Maybe it's like a new option whenever you would normally bring up apple pay not really described here
1: yeah i think this will be pretty nice uh you're right I, i've used i used the qr code scanner at places like starbucks all the time where you just don't even think of it you just kind of go and you do it um and uh it is it is kind of a conspicuous in its absence feature of the existing apple card. so
0: this makes a lot of sense hmm. i remember starbucks that was a place we got coffee right yeah i haven't been to starbucks in months <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I still have some credit there. Uh, you know, they okay, have drive throughs
2: cool. and it's really convenient if you use the uh, the mobile ordering. So you can order ahead of time, and then by the time you get in your car, go drive over there, maybe maybe run an errand, like drop something off at the post office. You can get your Starbucks on the way back. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: What if you don't have a car? Um, <laughs> Actually, the, the
2: Starbucks down the corner for me, they have
0: a, I think they've been serving stuff out the front. At the, you know, they were on a corner of a couple of major streets here, and they just, I think they've just been having a, like a table there, and they've just been... Putting people's orders on the table for them to pick up. So yeah, I think same idea.
2: Cool. Yeah, you still will need a car. Car, I should say, for for the drive through option because there was a very narrow slice of time where during the complete lockdowns where you, you couldn't have the the interiors of the stores open. Many drive throughs were accepting non car uh, folks. Like saw people on bicycles, you know, wheel their way up to uh to the drive through. It's it's pretty dangerous. I would say I wouldn't advise it, but it, it was an option. And I don't think it's really an option anymore. So vehicle and is they, they
1: probably even deliver for those who are driving at home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Cool. All right. Speaking of driving at home, let's get around to our picks. Um, yeah, so we were just talking a little while ago just about the, the new fancy building an app uh, exclusively in Swift SwiftUI. Um, that's where you, you have one of your classes and you put the at main property wrapper and uh, yeah, basically that'll be the, the main view that will run when your, when your app uh, uh, fires up. And this is an art article from John Sundell, Swift by Sundell, uh, on how you can you can still use an app delegate inside of your Swift your Swift UI based app lifecycle. And um, as it says on the tin here. So what uh, normally we would do in back in the day is we'd have this uh, UI application main uh, property wrapper around a class that you know starts up your app delegate with UI responder and app delegate. And um, but you can now just uh, um, use uh, the at main the same as you would before and you remove move the where's you move remove the UI application main so you can still instantiate an app delegate using a UI application delegate adapter and then call in passing in the app delegate itself um, yeah and so you can basically because I mean I think I was talking a couple of weeks ago about uh, trying out core data with Swift UI and uh, I found that I had to select uh, a don'm not saying this will work for people and just I'm just thinking out loud that um, I had to use a UI kit um, Style work, uh, app to, in order to get uh, uh, Core Data classes to work, right? So, so this would be if you were if you still need some UI Kit stuff to work within, um, you know, and you need to have your app delegate to load that up. That's kind of a cool idea um, to do that here. And they, they, I haven't followed the link here, but there's a link in the story here uh, where they talk about some of the other things that they've done over at uh, Swift by Sundell to build uh, Swift UI apps. So that's kind of cool.
2: It was pretty neat that you can still get the power of the app delegate without sort of messing around too much with the, the cleanliness of the, the new struct-based way of doing your apps. Also, I like the uh, the on open URL uh, thing that you get. That, so you don't need the application delegate just to handle the dead open URL or whatever. You know you know the delegate <laughs> yeah. call I'm talking about. Everybody yeah. knows it. Everybody has it. You just like Xcode autocomplete it. That's why I, I can't speak intelligently to what its actual name is. So
1: has anyone looked at how Swift without an app delegate handles things like notifications for when you go into the foreground and background and all that, I guess do do you have to observe the notification explicitly, like you would in somewhere else in the app, instead of using those methods that are just built into the yeah yeah
0: yeah that's yeah that's that's curious. It's an interesting question. I was thinking about that the other day too, but I know I haven't really gone down that route. But um, maybe we'll have to some some follow up for next time. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, like I said, it, was, it was, I was I was kind of thinking about that. Like you know, how would how is it going to be possible to have like a core data support? Yeah, like I, they added they added. A Things like they added, things like Scene Kit, and um, what's that other one that they hit, Tammy likes? Uh, sprite Kit, and um, and we talked about um, the movie player and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Those framework, AV player, those are still, those have been turned into a sort of Swift UI style thing, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they must and, be working on something. Yeah,
1: and say you wanted to have a Swift UI view be an observer, for example, of entering the foreground. Well, that Swift UI view as a struct is being constantly thrown away and recreated. Yeah,
0: re rendered, yeah.
1: So yeah. it's, you know it's got to be it's got to be smart enough to know well either it treats the the observerness as as you know kind of like a state variable like at state where it doesn't create a new one every single time mm-hmm. uh, or does it you know does it unregister you and re-register you as an observer every single time under the hood that seems kind of that seems kind of awkward you would think it would do it in the in the in the at state style but but then do you have to make your observer or do you yeah you know, well I don't know yeah it's, it's interesting or maybe you ha- if you use the closure-based ones, which they don't use self as the observer. They return this opaque uh, object that you're supposed to keep around as the observer so you can you can always uh, use that uh, opaque object to remove itself as the observer. Maybe you have to make that opaque object a state variable or something like that, And that state variable. I'll have to look into this one. If anyone knows, uh, send us a note. I'd like to hear.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that because I think what I vaguely remember, at least, and not to answer all of your question, but it gives me a hint is I think the on open URL is smart enough that you you don't have to have all of the listening for URLs um, through foreground and background and etc. I think it just sort of pipes it all there for you is what I thought I saw somewhere. But I haven't seen the exact session wherever this comes out in. So maybe they address it there. Maybe, maybe it works with some magic. Like they did the plumbing for you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not
1: thinking about an open URL case. I'm just thinking of in, in, in general, I guess this is a more general question question that I haven't really thought about is how do observers notification observers as opposed to uh, object sub observers uh, how do notification observers behave in, in uh, Swift UI views in structs interesting question
2: so Hamid what do you got for picks for us this week I got a couple picks one is shameless self-promotion and one is uh, promoting for somebody else I don't know who they are but I'll, I'll do my best uh, the first one the shameless self-promotion is uh, if you're if you're wanting even More of the Jaime Lopez experience, and you're like, you know what? I've listened to all episodes of MTJC, including this one. I still need just a little bit more. Uh, I was a guest on the Community Pulse podcast. That is a podcast for developer relations, developer advocacy, developer evangelist type individuals. And uh, I appeared on their episode with uh, another guest uh, talking about advocating for developer relations as a developer relations professional. Uh, If you're not interested in that kind of thing, that's okay. This is the kind of role that i have now um if you're even vaguely curious i'd say give it a listen it's like 38 minutes i think um and it was a lot of fun and i also was pretty pleased to hear from the the folks editing the show that they say wow it's really nice to have a guest who has a good audio setup so i felt really good i was like oh cool that's good i've been doing it for a while and tim is the one who edits this show so he he gets to hear all of the uh the bad parts and and has helped (laughs) cultivate (laughs) whatever quality of audio i have now so thanks for that the second pick I have is um it's a watch OS app called Distractionless. It's a Pomodoro timer on your wrist by Andres Solium. And if you're not familiar with Pomodoro uh as I understand it, it's a style of slicing up your your time during the day. So you're spending uh, a fair chunk of time focusing and then giving yourself a short break and then focusing and then taking a short break. In, in this case, the pretty typical one is uh, 25 minutes focusing on some task, five-minute break to you know go to the restroom. Uh, stretch your legs uh- you know, move your eyes off of something like the screen and you know look out a window and focus on something far away. Um, many folks, uh, including myself, have found it pretty handy as a way to maintain some sort of I think uh, focus. Like I find that when I'm working in 25 minute chunks, uh, I can be a lot more focused and less distracted. Oh, let me go check better. Oh, let me check Slack. Oh, uh, I wonder what email is doing. It's like, no, no, no. 25 minutes from now, I'll take a look at that. Right now, I'm just going to focus on this document, or I'm going to focus on this code. I'm going to focus on this pull request, and then when I get the buzz like, oh cool let me go get some coffee you know let me spend five minutes uh, take it a bio break or etc i've been using the uh the timers app on watchOS to do this in kind of a very, you know, not very satisfying kind of way. There's a lot of scrolling up and down to, all right, here's the custom 25 minute timer. All right, that's done. Let me scroll back up to the five minute timer. In this case, this 99 cent uh, watch only app uh, kind of fits the bill. It has everything I need right on there. You can decide how long is your focus period? How long is your uh, rest period? And you can decide um, if you want to have a long rest period, which is often recommended every few cycles. Like let's say, every four cycles yeah, take a longer rest 10 15 minute break instead of a five minute break this watch app sort of does what i want um it's not perfect i'm not going to claim that it is like i really feel like the touch targets for uh focus and rest they kind of look like they're buttons they're not <laughs> so it's like uh-huh. a big red pill or a big green pill that uh it is frustratingly not tappable but even with that caveat in mind the other parts of oh uh i need to you know pause this because you know somebody came to the door like amazon delivery let me pause this and then come back, continue my focus session or, uh, you know, really need like five more minutes. Um, I'm willing to sit here for five more minutes and focus on this, just finish off this task rather than breaking in the middle. And it's got handy little buttons to do that. Uh, and you can also skip ahead if it like, Oh man, like I, I really don't need this rest. I want to get back to it. Let's go on. Um, it, it works pretty well. If you like the Pomodoro lifestyle. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of this cause it was like a dollar and it's uh, it's, it's something that's only for your watch. So that was kind of nice. I didn't have to to load a companion iOS app. I have seen other ones and tried other ones that were, I think, a little bit more heavyweight than I wanted. They were focused on, oh, you have this to-do list and here's all these tasks and then your Pomodoro is going to be assigned to that. I'm like, no, no, no. All I want is just timers, just a better version of timers, very specifically focused on Pomodoro. And this fits the bill for me. Maybe it will for you. If not, that's okay. And I think this is the only watch-only app that I that I own, if I'm not mistaken. How about you, fine gentlemen? Do you guys have any uh, watch-only apps? I know it's been possible for a while but i can't think of any yeah. other ones i have there i only still barely
1: wear my watch i actually fired it up the other day and started trying to close some uh rings and then took it off and haven't put it on since <laughs> <laughs> i'm not good about wearing my watch
2: you know we were talking about uh different watch faces related to you know the ability to share those on WatchOS and i uh, watch us 14 or 7 and I mentioned that, you know, I have a, when I'm at work, sort of watch face that has a whole bunch of gadgets on it. And then I have a, oh, it's the weekend or it's after work. I really don't care. I just mostly need to know day and time. Uh, how's the weather? When is the sun going down? So on the work face, I used to have the activity rings and I realized, hmm, kind of don't really use it that often. And let's be honest, it's not telling me good things as I'm in the pandemic lockdown. I haven't been as as, <laughs> as active as maybe I could have been. And so this distractionless. App has become the widget that took the place of the activity rings for my work one. So I have both. I Actually, do have the normal timers app on my uh, screen because I use that for like lunch. You know, all right, you know, I'm gonna take an hour for lunch. I'm gonna take half an hour for lunch, um, or maybe I want to take a break. I'm like, all right, I just really want to refresh because I uh, had a bad night sleeping or something. Pomodoro app doesn't really work for that per se. So I end up having both complications on my watch face, and and that's why I, a little off topic here. I'm like kind of happy. Like, oh yeah, it would be kind of cool to see. What other watch faces do people have? And, and rather than going in and sort of very poorly manually configured it, you, know, you could just share it with me and I could just have it set up in my cool. Now I've got something i try, trying. If I don't like it, I just delete the face. Actually, now that I look at this app, I bet you it would have been a. I'm going to see if I can find a developer at some point because I wonder if it was a Swift UI app. It looks like, you know, it's a pretty bare bones app and it looks like uh, Swift UI would work pretty well for this kind of app. It's got everything hmm. that would come right out of the box.
0: Twenty ninety nine ninety nine $0.99. 99 cents.
2: Yeah, I was surprised when the um, when the Apple Pay symbol came out. I was like, "Oh, it's not free. <laughs> I guess I'm part of the problem. By, <laughs> I'm part of the problem by assuming that it was going to be free and maybe have in-app purchases or something. But no, this is just a a straight-up purchase of 99 cents. And apparently, it supports family sharing. Now that I'm looking at the webpage.
0: so it still has a it still has like a a, a phony uh, clock face too, so you can stay focused and still look, tell the time.
2: Oh, when you turn off the controls, just looking at screenshots. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it does the I don't use the the like the real focus one of like disable controls so you don't I guess accidentally bump one of the the controls and change a mm, timer right um, and I guess it's also so you're not like sitting there looking and, and and thinking about the interface you're you're just like just going along for the ride and I guess you do I think you when you go disable the controls you can re-enable them temporarily by long pressing on the face I think I tried that it wasn't for me I kind of like having mm. the, the dashboard controls there at all times. And i have somehow uh, managed to not accidentally bump the faces and throw off the, the cycles, which is good. Cool.
0: Alrighty, So I guess that's it for another week. Hey, Jaime. So if people want to get in touch with you, how would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm
1: at markr at smapsoft.com.
0: All right. My name is Timitra Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. And on the Twitter machines where you'll find me. Only the cool kids know how to get a hold of us on our Slack channel. So until next time, we'll say buh-bye. Bye.
1: this has been another episode of the more than just code podcast if you want to find out more about the show you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fm there you can find a summary and show notes of each episode we list links to the apps code and news that we mentioned on the show If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC.
2: Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com mtjc thanks again for listening we'll see you next time
0: i got my new apple pencil i ordered an apple pencil and i forgot that i added great engraving on it right so i couldn't put my company name on it so i ended up putting mtjc on the pencil Oh. Nice. So now we have a podcast pencil. <laughs> still don't have the iPad. The iPad's going to be a couple more weeks still. I got the, oh, I got the keyboard and the uh, Magic Keyboard. I got to play with it and see how stiff it is and all that kind of stuff. And
2: Yeah, how's, that, how's that working and, out? And,
0: well, great, except I can't do anything with it, right? Like, you can't, the the connectors are on the back of the iPod, I guess, or on back on the back of the um, iPad, um, whereas on the original uh, OG 12.9, and the interfaces along the bottom bottom edge, so... I tried to, tried to put it on like perpendicular, but it's, there's no room to sort of tr- see if I could jury rig it to work and just for the sake of trying it out. Right. So it's, and it's completely like it, yeah, it doesn't, it's not like a Bluetooth keyboard where you can charge it up and, and use it like a Bluetooth device on another, on another thing. It only interfaces with the, from what I can tell anyway, it only interfaces with the iPad itself. Right. It must take power from the
2: iPad as well. Oh, I see. For some reason, I thought that you also had one of the newer iPad pros, like not, not the newest, but the one right before.
0: Not yet. No, It's mm. coming. It's coming but but it's like uh, it's middle of July I think is when the delivery date for that guy is so yeah I bought a new so family members taking my 12.9 they need a they need a they're watching YouTube believe it or not they need a newer newer device than what they have and um, yeah so um, I bought an iP- I bought the iPad I bought the you know the pencil and the magic keyboard because I'm really liking how I have the Logi the logitech uh, create keyboard on my for an iPad and I like it for when I'm you know doing work I can use it to connect to the office and do web on it and stuff like that so it's handy to have a second screen right?
2: Yeah that's true that's True. does that end up working pretty well with Sidecar or the people who end up having the the 12.9 inch does it support it?
0: Well you know it, it's interesting I'm using Sidecar right now I don't know why for some reason my like I've got my 24 inch LED connected to my MacBook Pro but the MacBook Pro screen is black it's gone dark right? So even though it's, it thinks it's on it's not, I don't know how to get it to turn on right? So I think it's obviously there's a bug in the somewhere in there inside it but so I'm using Sidecar on the iPad Pro so I can get a second screen right now. Yeah. So I have to see what happens when I get the... It'll be, I guess, another week or so before the other one shows up. And then we can really know what's going on. But Sidecar is kind of cool. It's easy to hook up, right? You just, you know, once you once you configure your iPad, you just choose it and away way it goes. You have, you have an iPad, right?
2: I do. And I guess yeah. I could support uh, Sidecar. Well, at least on my personal laptop since that's on Catalina.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They block it on our work laptops, of course. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, God forbid you should have two screens.
2: I guess they wouldn't want you exfiltrating data by putting it on the, moving it over to the iPad screen and then taking screenshots. It's just video. It's like you're not you're not
0: really you're not really stealing anything. You're just video, right? Everybody have All a right. good holiday?
1: Yeah. We got a holiday of choice. Uh, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, reasonably peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> we had, no gun gunplay
0: this time?
1: Well, we had around here, luckily nothing too close to my house, but a bunch of stupid people lighting off fireworks when it's hot and dry. And, and there's a there's a little town called Morgan Hill and Gilroy. You've probably heard of Gilroy, uh, which is about 20 or 30 miles south of San Jose. And there's a big fire down there caused by fireworks. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. Did it burn put a bunch of places down or just one or two houses or
1: well it was it was it was in the hills and actually I don't know if it actually burned out any houses, luckily. I think it probably yeah. didn't because I would have heard about that. But it was close. It was it was threatening. They had to evacuate people nearby, but luckily I think they contained it to the hills. I should check on that.
0: I still had a, I had a gray beard, but I had dark hair. And that's supposed to be um, like remember those remember those uh, Motorola uh, wireless earbud things you used to wear back in the day when you were cool and stuff. You, know, those, you had those little what do, you call, what do you call those things? It was like a speaker you stuck in your ear, and you could like have a speakerphone kind of thing on your old Nokia whatever.
1: Oh yeah yeah, they were the those Bluetooth things that everyone used to wear on their yeah, ear. Yeah yeah, those yeah. things were so. Lame. I
0: still I still have one in my drawer over there. It's it's kind of all gotten yellow, but yeah, yeah, I wonder if it works. I don't know. Probably dead now. Yeah, but it had the USB uh, thingy on it, right? So I wonder if it would work. I guess it would work, right? Yeah. Because it's just Bluetooth, right? By the yeah. way, I got a pair. I want a pair. It's so old a bear, it might pair be pair cool of, again. Yeah, I should just wear <laughs> it. Just I've seen people wearing them, like yeah. actually around around the city. But um, I want a pair of um, Skull Candy earbuds. Yeah. Um, like, just, you know, and they're they're I just, just like uh, yeah yeah just like just like the I think I mean they're just like they're, they're like the AirPods, which by the way the price just dropped on those too, right? Probably something coming in a couple of days. But um, anyway, Jaime, I was just telling Mark I won these... uh, earbuds and uh, yeah, I got the box here in front of me. I hate them because when I put them in, it's it all the sound is isolated, right? It's like you know, it's got these rubber things to keep them in your ear, which would probably work for you guys. And then the kind with the little rubber ball on the end that you shove into your ear canal, and which I don't like, I never liked those kind. And then, yeah, but when I'm like if Carol's talking to me, I'm like, I wouldn't even know she was talking to me, kind of thing, right? So even even when I'm not listening to anything, right? So I, I mean, just I mean, I don't know what it's like with AirPods, but. Um, If that's what they're like, I definitely don't want them because I want to be able to hear what's going on. I want to hear the car that's going to run me over, you know? (laughs) Because I know the air the earbuds, like the regular, uh, are they call earbuds. I don't know, not earbuds, AirPods. What do we call these? The wired ones. What do we? Uh, not
1: Earbuds, right? The, what are, uh,
0: air wait, Buds. did they actually haven't?
1: Maybe they didn't actually have yeah. a name. Yeah, were they AirPods?
0: Well, we're going to talk about it later because because I think coming up on the show we're talking about uh, the new iPhone 12. Apparently, is not coming with a pair, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's like um, with those, at least I can hear around me. Like if I if I have them in my ear, I can still have a convers. If I am no, not playing a music or whatever. I can have a conversation with somebody, right? But what I'm finding with these these other, I mean, I don't know, do people really want to be that ice, that insular, that they don't have any sound input? What's other than their cool tunes, or are their podcasts are listening to, you or whatever? Like-
1: well, I'll tell you where they're really useful. Uh, and since I don't wear AirPods, I have you know, over the air headphones, yeah. but I have the mm-hmm. noise canceling ones, uh, which are similar. Uh, they're really useful when you're in these days. It's not an issue, but when you're in a open yeah. work environment where you're sitting very close right. to a lot of people right. and there's always some conversation going on somewhere around you. And if you just need to true. tune that out, focus, and not listen, yeah. then yeah. yeah, they're pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, actually I do. It's true. Cause one of, one of our developers who was with us when we were back in the office had a pair of the air, the fancy ones, the new ones. Right. And, uh, um, uh, I he was like he sat kitty corner for me, and I didn't, right now that I have to ask him a question, and I'd have to like wave my arms and whatever to get his attention because you know he uh, he couldn't hear me with them on right. So because he did exactly the same thing, Mark. He just put them on and tuned us all out right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I I get that. I mean, like the thing is with where I work, it's it's pretty much like a church. I mean, in terms of quietness, right? There's no there's no loud. I mean, there's you know you get boisterous people and joking and stuff like that, but there's no loud conversations going on. You know, we all of our. Phones are on mute and that kind of stuff. In fact, I oh, even well. use my phone at home on mute, right? So totally. Yeah, the in, in, in my office.
1: There's a lot of
2: yeah, it's total, totally noisy.
1: Yeah, a lot of commotion going
0: on.
2: Yeah, I could see that being a being a distraction too. Yeah. Wait, you, Tim, you said you removed stuff from the massive dog. It's like fifty-three pages.
0: Yeah, I did. I got well. If you go down, it's, I think it's like two hundred episode two ninety or two eighty, something like that. Bottom one is two eighty-three. Yeah. So January, like this is this is six months worth of stuff. I wonder, as if opposed if, to like six years.
2: <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder if Google Docs is struggling on some revision history thing or something underneath the covers. Um, I think it'd still be good to to chop off, you know, forty of these pages, because <laughs> my, my phone was struggling with. This too, and I got confused. Like, wait, why is it not updating with stuff that I know I added on? You know, from my iPad. Oh, okay, okay. And we just sit here and wait while it does its thing.
0: I know exactly what you mean because, because I, you know, I like I said, uh, I work on my Mac, I work on my phone, and work on my iPod or iPad to do the, to do the editing. And yeah, you're right. Some I sometimes I have to if I get a link and I go in there, I sit and look at my phone for a couple of minutes, going, I'm sure Jaime's already started a you know an episode 306, right? And I sit and I wait and I wait. And I'm just when I'm just about ready to, to put something in, it goes, oh, hang on, let me put a bunch of stuff in here. Right? So, yeah, you're right. It's It's been, like, really sluggish the last little while, right? I don't know if you've noticed, but for me, it's been, like, you know, last three or four days or whatever, it's been sluggish. Oh, weird. Weird. Because I actually put something in, like, it was it was taking so long, I was walking the dog and there was some comment I put in here, probably the fact check, and I just pasted it in. And I was so so frustrated waiting, and then I eventually moved it. Yeah, the ADA thing, I think, was, was I put in as a comment, and then I just walked away, and when I came back later, it it was, it was on the top of the page up in the empty template part, you know. So, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so maybe Google is maybe Google's struggling. Maybe they're doomed. Maybe they're running so out of money yeah. or something or they're,
2: they're <laughs> they, over, they
0: they didn't pay their, their Amazon bill or
2: whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> they turned down uh, and then the air conditioner said just let those machines get a little hot. It's okay. Yes, it slows yeah. down performance, but uh, that's all right. It's a free product.
0: Yeah. We just bought another air conditioner tonight. Um, just plugged it in on the on the main floor because it's getting pretty bad here. We've got air conditioners on all three floors. Floors now, right? So their yeah. furnace is still down. Are they in window air conditioners or the standalone? Kind? No, they're the, they're the portable type. Is that you know, the kind where you, you put a you kind of have the hose pointing a, out the window or something yeah. like that. Or, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Used to, we used to use them in server rooms back in the day, right? But yeah, uh, yeah. sure. No, yeah, they're they're because the problem is our house is it's 16, 17 feet wide and and tall, like three floors, mm-hmm. and uh, it was not created with the idea of having central air. So there's the duct work is like the width of a joist, right? Mm-hmm. Or of a stud wall, and um, so yeah, it's impossible to push air up to the third floor. So, notwithstanding, you know the weight and it's cold air will naturally fall, right? So yeah. So I'm kind of sweaty and sticky right now because uh, the air conditioner's on the in the kitchen right now, and but aren't you in the basement? you? I am in the I'm in the basement. You would think heat so. Would, that's heat where would yeah, the
1: heat would rise and the cold air would fall, right?
0: You would think yeah, but I think we're just we have got so much humidity in the house right now right now that we're just just dying. So yeah. I mean, I could tell you it's. Uh, it was 34 degrees today. That means nothing to you guys, right? No, uh, I know that's hot. That's hot. The humidity was uh, something like 70%, I think today. Oh yeah. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty brutal.
1: So one thing that I use are these, uh, I don't want to chill a brand name, but, but these Vornado fans.
0: Yeah, we have Vornados too.
1: Yeah. They, they just move a massive amount of air. They're great. Yeah. They really are great. Yeah. Yeah, They're not that loud and they just move a lot of air and they, they're almost as good as an air conditioner in a lot of cases.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, so we, we, them with with the addition of those um window units right the portable Uh units because we use them to move the air around the room right right on top of that but we have um we have two of them and i've been looking to buy another one on amazon but uh i should have ordered by now but oh well yeah it's getting pretty bad i mean i i even had a shower like an hour ago and i'm all sticky again so Mm. what are you gonna do yeah. Do, unless Carol closed the door. Oh, did she? Killing me. She's killing me. Close the door, locked right. it, and then turned the thermostat up on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she's been moving. Like, she's, I don't know. Just it's, it's already cooler on the... She bought one today that's 1,400 BTU. So, you can explain what BTU is, right? Do you know BTU Thermal
1: is? unit? It's a unit of, yeah. of heat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. this one, the one she bought today is apparently 14,000 BTU. So, okay. that, should, that should probably do, like, the first floor at cool. least anyway. But I should hope that the air conditioning would drop to the basement, but... So far, not so good, mind you. I turn, oh, I, mean, I know what happened. I turned the bathroom fan off. I've been running the bathroom fan here to keep the air moving. I turned it off like half an hour ago to record. See, what
1: you need is one of these tornadoes at the top of the stairs. Actually,
0: yeah, pointing yeah, out. That's true. Pointing
1: out, not in, to pull out the hot air.
0: To pull out the hot air. Yeah, mm, yeah. Interesting idea.
1: Yep. That's mm. that's the trick to those fans. Actually, is and they even tell you if you if you go online and read the fine print, they they actually yeah. say that these things work better. They're not really meant to blow on you. These this particular. Morning. A fan they're meant oh, to okay. move move air so so the trick is you want to huh. get the hot air out so you just you just put it in a place where it's so going to suck the, window, the yeah. hot air out and of course you know the the cooler air is going is going to fill in but it's going to suck the hot air out into well into somewhere else but that's that's somewhere else's problem <laughs> mhm
2: Okay. I will say, if you have an aluminum-backed MacBook Pro or iPad, put that <laughs> on your bare skin, especially on your belly. It will cool you down super mm-hmm.
0: fast. What's that? Oh, just the, just the the, the turned-off guy, you mean, or just just turn it's it like around locked so locked
2: the up. metal is touching your your belly, uh, okay. your core. Well, and I've got to say, it. i got to say.
0: So I had, as you know, I had the the uh, MacBook Air C- uh, thirteen from twenty thirteen, right? And I switched over to the MacBook Pro uh, twenty twenty. It, it is way hotter on my lap than than the uh, I mean like much hotter like almost unbearable right So I remember the the 15 inch um the one you had the uh, 2012 was really hot too back in the day and the, those old uh, G4 ones we had were pretty hot too anyway. Anyway, I gotta go figure out this heat situation. It's getting pretty. It's, it's actually not as bad as it was when we first started recording, but getting some airflow going down here.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty late over there for it to be feeling feeling hot. So you'll definitely. Want oh no,
0: it's it's pretty bad. I mean, we don't we don't. I mean, it's, it's still like outside right now. It's 26 degrees. So that's like you know 80 degrees, I guess. All like that. Yeah, it's pretty so warm. You, like a warm, you guys warm bath. Sort of
2: flip the switch on the on the weather, huh? Because it felt like not that long ago. Maybe a few weeks ago, you were still dealing with. <laughs> Cold is what I, what I kind of remember.
0: Um, yeah, I want to say, hmm, Mar- Well, end of March. It was still. It was still. We still needed the furnace on, and that's when the furnace died. Right. So we were still. We still had you know space heaters and stuff like that going. Yeah. It's kind of. It's weird. And it's Carol was Carol and I were just talking about it at dinner time tonight. That that uh, it's never been like even when this house was first created you know hundred years ago it, the weather's never been this hot in the summer especially this early this is early in July for us to be this hot right normally it's the kind of weather we have in. In August, so it's pretty bad. So you guys are having regular weather, weather, or it's not warmer than normal, or what on with you guys?
1: It's a little bit, a little bit uh, warmer, although, to be honest, I don't go outside all that much, so I don't really know.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> mm, right. I
1: stay inside my central air, uh, you know, and fans' home, and, right. you know, right. sometimes open the door to get that big, you know, hope get a package or take out the garbage or yeah. something. And, mm, right, you right. know, once or twice a week, I leave the house to go to the supermarket or something.
2: Right, right. Right it's funny you asked it because just tonight on the evening news they were talking about how this summer has been uh pretty mild for for Mm -hmm. us so it's actually been a little bit cooler than it should be at this point in in july um and it's it's been off and on we've had sort of cloudy days and and sunnier days um never really that much more than about 70 and it can get cool enough where sometimes i actually do put on a hoodie when i go outside to check the mail or something and uh i'm in that weird frustrating uh, weather, you know, temperature position where it's like, well, can't go without socks because my toes start getting too cold. But when I put on the socks, my toes get too warm too quick and I need some like thinner socks or something to, to deal with it. I guess my my normal socks are a little too thick or I need to puncture holes in my in my socks. they have like, uh, like toeless socks or something. Just about to merge my build. Hey, while we, while we were talking, I got this LinkedIn in-mail message. It was one of those paid-for messages. Apple, software engineer, iOS, various levels, job opportunity, blah, blah, really? blah. A vast majority of our jobs in Bay Area. We also have openings in Seattle, Culver City, Austin. That's and, from Apple? Boulder. Yeah. And the, the phone number is a San Jose area code. And But look at like, this how generic this, this thing is. We are currently looking for software engineers, iOS, at the new grad, mid-level, senior level, and manager levels. Interested in learning more, blah, blah, blah like bro at least uh you know carve down that list a little bit. It's kind of insulting to have new grad <laughs> in the uh, in the in the segment that you're doing, you know. Just just do one more poll from, from LinkedIn and, and separate those out.
1: That's surprising from Apple. So I mean, I get stuff from Apple a lot and it's it's always from a from a sourcer. You know, it's they have they have first you get the call from the sourcer and you have a quick conversation with them and they just basically take down your information and if you pass that then they give you to the actual recruiter and you talk to the recruiter.
2: Yeah. This one, besides being the San Jose area code, they also have an at apple.com address. Hmm. So I, I didn't click on their name to see their profile or anything, but I'm going to assume they, they sound like an actual Apple employee that's doing this. But eh, you know, yeah. I feel like that's Who knows? Yeah. too wide of a net that they're casting with one, one, one message. You know, It came well, in I at 7.58 p.m. Yeah, so. I think a lot
1: of times the sources are contractors. So I wonder if because of the virus and because people are working from home, they're not hiring as many contractors these days. So they're doing mm. this kind of stuff. Maybe I don't know. Could be. That's just a guess. I have no idea.
0: Could be. I don't know. I keep applying to them, but they never they never look at my resume. So I don't know what the is going on with them. Those Apple folks haven't been ghosted I once before. Of,
1: well, you generally can't apply. You have to get approached for this kind of stuff. I mean, that's usually how it works. I need to if start applying. If you apply, then chances are that your resume just gets lost in the in the thousands yeah, that's of people that, that, that also sent it
2: in. Yeah. I need to start you know asking them a test to see like how, how legit is this person? How how much do you know? About me and and the relationship to Apple, and so just start yeah. asking them. You know, according to the show I'm on, what is Greg Heo's true name? And they can't answer that, <laughs> considering how many times I've said it in jest uh, and yeah. title exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who's the fifth the fifth MTJC? Or I'm thinking in terms
1: of fifth Beatle reference, but yeah, yeah. Who's that, Greg? No, I don't know. I'm just thinking. You know, because people always say, you know, who who's the fifth Beatle? Right? Well, who is the fifth MTJC? But I guess it wouldn't be
2: Tammy. Yeah, you that's mean, what I was gonna say because yeah. that was that first. Uh, uh, the first Christmas time, right? We, we were on a holiday and uh, a holiday break and I think decided to, to record what you guys were talking about. Right. I, I don't think mm-hmm. you were even on, we're on roundabout at that time. Were you? That was maybe pre, maybe. pre, pre, uh, pre Tim Mitra roundabout era. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't think I was on it at, the very, at the very beginning. Hmm. Can't merge my branch. I don't know why. That might be our, our cue to end. I, I don't think I'd be able <laughs> to figure out branch problems without, without nope. the full attention there.
1: And I do enough of that yeah. in my day job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right
0: guys.
2: All right. Talk to you later
0: time. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.